Join me as we pray together, prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today I want to talk with you about a spiritual examination. I want to walk with you through a few steps together. Maybe some insight that we can glean together. Maybe some thoughts to begin to think about as we go through an examination together. How important it is that each of us realize our need for God every day and to realize our need for confession and healing every day. To realize that we are totally exposed before God and our crying out to God is very important because you and I need God uh, more than we could ever fathom or dream up in our life. And yet this message is entitled A Spiritual Examination found in Psalm 139, focusing on the two verses that close out that psalm of Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24. It's a passage of scripture that's familiar to many of us. It's a passage you might could even quote in your own life, but it just basically says, search me, God, and know my faults or know my heart. Test me and know my concerns or know my thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I hope that this is going to be a prayer of ours today that we'll be able to embed it deep within our heart and we'll maybe be able to quote it, pray it, and begin to sing it in our own life as it becomes that which is very important for each of us. You know, how long has it been since you've had a good physical examination? (laughs) You know, the older we get, maybe that magic number of the 50s is when things began to change and we began to set up routine visits, especially males, Females are a little bit more accustomed to the annual um, physicals and so forth. But by the time we all hit our 50s, things began to change and we began to see the importance. And so physical examinations are very important on an annual basis, blood work, all those things. And you understand what it means to have a physical examination. You know, you may have regular problems that occur that, that you find that gets a little bit worse in certain situations, circumstances, and etc. David felt, King David felt the need to have an examination, but it was an examination of his spiritual life. You will probably help, it will probably help you to keep in mind that as you go to a regular exam to your physician, as you think about this message that we're going to learn to pray together this day. One thing good about a spiritual examination is that you and I have a superior physician. You know, he's all wise. He's all knowing. He knows everything that could be known about all of us. And there's nothing that we could hide from our great physician. 
Your medical doctor, however, has severe limitations. He or she is very dependent on what you and I tell the doctor. In fact, a physician may miss a very life-threatening condition if you and I are not honest with him or her. And actually, he or she is a person with limited knowledge examining a person with limited knowledge. But our God knows all about us even before we ask him and even before we are examined by our great physician. Now, I want to walk through, walk through a couple of things with you this morning. In James chapter 5, verse 16, now I want you to listen closely at this. This is a, a scripture of confession, and it's a scripture of prayer. And I want you to think with me and follow me as we go through this message. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The intense prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Therefore, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And yet the intense prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. Now, when I look at this verse, and I've looked at it so many times, and something grabbed me last Saturday morning when I was in a service with a group of men that I'd never seen before. This verse says, therefore, confess your sins one to another. That's where I always stopped. And I couldn't understand why there's an and pray for one another. And then the comma says, so that you may be healed. What I always saw was to confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. So what is the context of this passage of Scripture? What's the significance of confession, prayer, and healing? What is the significance of confessing to one another and finding healing in the process? So James is addressing, obviously, some deep spiritual concerns within the body of Christ. He's very concerned that someone hasn't been to the great physician quick enough to get a spiritual examination. And so he's telling them that a part of your spiritual examination is to be willing not only to recognize your sin, but to also confess it. So that in the process, your great physician can provide healing in your life. Who's not limited in knowledge, who is all wise and all knowing, and he loves us so, even though he knows everything about us. And so it gives us a challenge here to confess our sins one to another. I wonder how many of us in this room have ever confessed our sin out loud to other people. Now, I'm not going to have you do that this morning, okay? So relax. But I am going to have you think about it, okay? 
There's something about corporate prayer, and there's something about corporate confession. There's something that happens to the inside of us, in our mind, in our heart of hearts, that says something to us that will help us to rise to our feet and to realize the joy of healing when we offer our confession. So why does it say, and pray for one another? So here's the challenge. If we're confessing to one another and then James says to pray for one another, what is he meaning? Have you ever had anybody offend you? Or somebody offended, you've offended them. Something's going on in the life of the body of Christ in James' day that is relating to the confession, not only of the confession of sin to God, that they have offended God by the sin of their life, but also they're confessing that they have sinned against one another. And so it's very important that we realize why it's why we confess one to another. And then to go a step further and to pray for that person whom we've offended or we've been offended from. It's easy to say, Lord God, I have sinned against you. But it's hard to go up to someone else and say, you were right and I was wrong. It's hard to go up to them and say, you know, I have done you dirty. I have sinned against you and I have hurt you and I've hurt the relationship that we have and therefore I'm confessing to you and I'm asking for your healing. I'm asking for your forgiveness. And if the person says back to us, I forgive you, what great healing that is. But even in the fact that they don't forgive us, there's still healing in that confession. And then we've got to go a step further to grab them by the hand if they're allowing us to do so and knowing that we, we are wrong and they are right and we pray for them. And we get to an earnest part of our life and we begin to pray for the well-being of them or the reverse. They are wrong and we're right. And therefore we know it. And as a result of that, we're praying for them in their midst. There's something about confessing one to another when we sin against someone else. You remember in the prodigal story, prodigal son, the son says, I have sinned against heaven and against you, father, his earthly father, you think of in that sense of the story. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against earth and I'm confessing my sin and I'm willing to be a hired servant from this day forward. And so there's something about confession confession that's very important. That we exclaim from the deepest part of our life something that we've held so many years or we've held on to that no one else knows about and we've sinned against them and we confess it. You say, boy, that just sounds tough. It is. But I promise you, when you confess your sins one to another, and you're in like-mindedness in that confession. There's something that happens in the midst of that confession that is beyond imagination. As you begin to pray for one another and pray for the well-being spiritually of that person, not so that they'll be changed, but praying for the spiritual well-being of that person 
as, as, as we are commanded to do to pray for one another, then what is the result? Healing. You say, well, I haven't received healing. Well, it might be because you haven't spent enough time confessing or you haven't spent enough time praying. Healing. It doesn't say confess your sins, pray for one another, and eventually one day you may find healing. It's not what it says. It doesn't say confess your sins and you will be healed. No. There's prayer in there. It doesn't say confess your sins and, and one day you will understand healing and it will gravitate you to you and it will blow a circuit. No, it says confess your sins, pray for one another, and you will be healed. It's a promise. It's not a happen chance. It's not a second thought. It is not a maybe. It is a definite. It is definitive. It is Scripture, and Scripture is what? The inspired Word of God coming from God's mouth to us that is without error and is with full of truth, and it says, therefore, confess your sins one to another, pray for one another, and you will be healed. Because if you do that, the effective prayer, the powerfulness of that prayer, of that righteous person, is beyond belief. So what makes you righteous? Confession of sin to one another, bathed in prayer. That's what makes the prayer of a righteous person powerful. And so for many years, I always quoted, confess your sins and you will be healed. Now, that's true. We know that. Because if you're in a state of lostness and you confess your sin to the Father and says, Father, I have sinned and I cannot save myself. Come live within my heart and save me and give me salvation. Give me life. There's healing. That's what I've always thought of. And yet prayer is so wrapped up in those two verses. You can't take prayer out of that scripture and it makes sense in its context. So therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that that you may be healed, not so that they will be healed, but that you and I will be healed. And that urgent prayer of that righteous person, the person who has just been healed, is powerful in its effect. That's what he's saying. Confession and prayer is so important in the life of the believer. And now flip over to John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture that speaks of healing and restoration and the giving of life. And it is a passage of Scripture to where it basically gives us the meaning of healing and freedom. Now, we talked about confession and prayer. Now, let's think about healing and freedom. And that chapter 11, verse 1 through 44, closes out, loose him, and let him go free. 
here was Jesus in one place doing his ministry and doing his thing as Jesus does his thing. And here was Martha and Mary and Lazarus, all in a crisis because Lazarus has gotten sick and now he has died. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are favorite people of Jesus, not saying others aren't favorite. They all are, but there was something special about these three. These three musketeers, or musketeerette and two musketeers, all together is a, a pack. And Jesus is fond, fond of them and thinks highly of these three. He had seen their lives changed, Mary and Martha. He had seen work come through them that minister to others. They've got a very welcoming home and a welcoming spirit. And there's something special about these three. And now Lazarus has died. And Martha and Mary send word out to get a hold of Jesus. And, and here he is sick, but they're, they're wanting Jesus to come to heal his sickness. But things happen, things progress, and by verse 14 of John chapter 11, this friend of Jesus dies. When Jesus heard the news that Lazarus was sick in verse 4, he says, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The disciples tried to keep Jesus from going back into a region that was considered a hotbed of hostility against him. But Jesus says, nonsense, I must go. But you would think he would go very quickly when he first heard Lazarus was sick, but he waited to Lazarus to die. In fact, Lazarus is now dead four days. Now, I have not been around a person who has died and was still in their state of deceasedness four days later. But I would understand that there would be a, a quite a stench as the body decays. And yet, finally, Jesus makes it. In verse 21, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the last day. I know that. I have faith in you. And I believe in the resurrection and the life. I believe that there's something new going to happen when a person breathes their last breath. I believe that. Jesus says, no, your brother will rise again. And Jesus goes on to say, I am the resurrection, the life, and the one who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Everyone who believes, lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe you, the Messiah. I believe you, the Son of God, who has come into this world. But then the challenge comes. Jesus gets angry in himself, and he came to the tomb. Now, that doesn't mean he was angry, ready to throw a fit. There is a compassion within him that's stirring up. 
And it's the, it's the feeling that we all feel when someone dies. It's the sense of void and the sense of lostness that, the, that we have at that moment then our dear loved one passes away. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. In verse 39, it says, Jesus says, remove the stone. Martha, dead man's sister, says, Lord, he already stinks. It's been four days. Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of this crowd standing here, I have said this so that they will believe you sent me. And after he said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And then you heard the shuffling of the feet. And then you heard the the movement inside the cave. Something begins to happen and mouths begin to drop open. And now Jesus is going to give them the greatest challenge of healing that they could ever receive. A challenge of healing that will lead to freedom beyond their imagination. And Lazarus wrapped as a custom, wrapped from head to toe, Eyes, feet, fingers, everything bound. Because he's dead, they didn't have to leave room for the nostril holes to breathe air in. So he's completely mummified and wrapped from head to toe. The Scriptures doesn't say that Lazarus came out in good condition. <laughs> it doesn't say that Lazarus came out smelling like roses. It doesn't say that Lazarus is at a place here in his life that is amazingly beautiful. No, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And so Lazarus comes forth all mummified and wrapped in his death clothes. Now, folks, go back to James chapter 5, verse 5, uh, verse 16. Confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Confess your sins, pray for one another, and you will be healed. Confess your sins. Don't confess your sins and leave yourself wrapped in your clothes of death and you'll leave the person who you've offended or have offended you left in their clothes of death wrapped and they will not experience healing and neither will you. Now go back to John chapter 11. Jesus looks to his sisters he says, Lazarus already come forth. And Lazarus comes forth out of the grave and he's totally mummified. And so that's why he looks to the sisters and he says, now Martha and Mary, you have seen the glory of God. I told you I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. I've already told you this. You said you believe it. Now I'm going to ask you to do something you've never done for anybody else. Lazarus wants to live life. He wants to live it to the fullest. He wants to be free. He wants to be healed. Now go unwrap him and let him go free. Folks, in confession means that you are unwrapping people and letting them go free. It is necessary that you and I confess our sin. It is necessary that you and I place our life before the, for the Father, places our life before one another. It is important that we confess our sin so that we can be unwrapped 
so that we can be set free, so that someone else can be unwrapped, so that they can be set free. It is important that you and I confess our sins, pray for one another so that we may be healed. It's tough, but it is so rewarding. And you and I have the joy of unwrapping others and letting them experience life. Jesus did what Jesus could do. And that was to give life back to Lazarus. Now, the person we confess to is not going to give me life. The Holy, the Holy Father whom I confess to gives me life. But the person I confess to can give me freedom if they'll unwrap me and not hold it against me from this day forward. Jesus did what only he could do, bring life. It was up to the sisters to give him freedom. And so you and I are challenged every day of our life to give freedom, to confess our sins and pray for one another so that you may be healed, not so that they will be healed, but you and I will be healed. So you may be challenged today in the midst of this prayer that we're going to pray to unwrap some people and let them go free. Now, believe it or not, if you look at my notes, that's the introduction. Now I want to give you the message of what I want you to hear. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, it says this, Search me, O God. Now I threw in the O. Search me, God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I've tried to bold some things and underline it to pull some few important words out of that scripture. But it's a prayer. Now keep in mind where David is. David had sinned against Bathsheba. He had sinned against Uriah. He had sinned against the nation. His life was a mess. And in Psalm 51, David confesses his sin before God. It's the personal confession psalm where David lays himself out before God and he makes his confession and he says, God, remove my sin from me and and restore me back to the joy of my salvation. And in Psalm 51, we find out that it happens. How do we know that? Because of Psalm 139, where David begins, he says, you know everything about me. You know when I stand up, you know when I sit down. You know when I travel. You know when I lie down, when I get up. You know everything about me. The inward parts, you know me. The inward thoughts, you know me. You know things before I even speak it on my tongue. You know everything about me. And yet, knowing everything about me, you still love me. You still care about me. You still bring healing. You still want the best for me. And so he gets down to Psalm 139 and he says, Lord God, search me, try me, know me. 
deal with the offensiveness within me and lead me to healing. Lead me into the way of everlasting. It's not a prayer to lead him into eternal life. That's not what he's praying about. He's praying about what Jesus says, I have come to bring life, not to take it away. I've come to give you an abundant life today as well as the promise of everlasting life tomorrow. And so this way of everlasting is the present, not the future. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And try me. Look within me and know every thought I think. And if in my actions and in my thoughts, if there is anything that is offensive to you, O Father, please help me to see it so that I can confess it and need be confess it one to another and realize that my healing is there in the, and you will lead me in the way of freedom and victory. Do you want freedom and victory? Do you really want healing? Do you really want God to examine you as the great physician? It's a checkup we're all called to make this very day. And how does it begin? Well, when we go to a physical doctor, we call the receptionist, say, I'd like to set up an appointment. And we set that appointment. We know it's there. We put it on our calendar. We watch our clocks, and we're there. A few minutes early, we check in, and we're waiting for our name to be called. We go to the examination room. The doctor comes in, and then it begins. What's the problem? Why are you here? Well, I'm here for my physical exam. Okay. Let's get blood work. Let's get a a lung x-ray. Let's check out all your movements, your reflexes. Let's look at your eyes, ears, nose, throat. Let's listen to your stomach. Let's tap on your, your appendix area. Let's tap on your spleen area. Let's listen to your lungs as you breathe. You go through that process, the EKG and all that sort of stuff. Your physical is complete. And they say to you, I'll give you the results in a few days. You come back for the results. You sit down and they say, everything checks out good. You're good. And you leave there happy. And you don't think about it till another year. This examination is different. This examination is, you didn't even think about an appointment time. You just came today. And you're given the opportunity this day to enter into a spiritual examination with your father. There's no question about it that the appointment has already been set. And he's actually is waiting to listen to each of us as we pray a prayer together, asking God to examine the inward parts of who we are so that he can begin his work afresh and anew so that you and I can understand freedom and healing. You say, how do I pray it? I don't know the scripture. Oh, that's why it's on the screen. You can pray with your eyes open if you have to. But I want you to pray this with me. And I want you to think for just a moment the very words that you're asking God to do. This is not just a corporate reading of Scripture out loud together. This is a prayer. A prayer asking God to examine us. Now, if you don't want to be spiritually examined, don't say it. Don't pray it. Don't ask God to do something in your life that you don't really believe. 
as you begin to pray this together, as we will, you're asking God to do something that maybe he, you've never asked him to do before in your life. You're asking him to examine the inward parts of who you are, thoughts, things that are hidden, or you thought they were hidden, things that are there, and you're asking for a complete physical, spiritual, excuse me, examination. So let's pray this together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, folks, I'm not changing the wording of that scripture. Not adding other than the word O. I did it just so it flows better. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my inward thoughts and see if there is anything that is offensive to you, an offensive way within me, and lead me in the way of victory, of everlasting. This examination involves four things. Underlined from those words, this examination involves four things. Number one, it involves and it begins with the heart. We're asking God to do something with the heart that no other physician could ever do. There are great physicians out there that can do wonderful work. If we have a heart attack, they can work on the heart. If we have a blockage, they can clear the blockage. If we have problems with a low heartbeat, they can put in a pacemaker. If we have problems with too fast of a rate, they can bring it down with Medicaid. There is amazing things that can be done with the heart. The heart is the pump of all our blood that gives us life. And yet, we're talking about not the physical heart, but the seat of who we are. And according to Hebrew thought, the heart is the being. It is the us. It is everything that makes us who we are that causes us to tick and to talk in life. And we're asking God to begin with my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. Know the very being of who I am and search that being and begin to stir up within me And may I begin to hear your words come forth. May I hear those words that James says it's important that you confess. As I stir up those things in your life, you're going to have to come forth from your death and you're going to have to confess the very things that is being revealed to you. It begins to the heart, begins with the heart. That means we're going to begin to see things in that searching process that we don't like. And it may be that others begin to see something in us that they don't like. And therefore, not only are we, it's important that we confess before God, that we confess before the people around us so that you and I can be prayed for and we can pray for others and experience the healing that is important and necessary. But a second part of this examination involves the thoughts. So we're not only asking God to examine the being of who we are, we're now asking God to examine the very thoughts that we think. 
Now, what was the movie where the guy, was it Yes, Yes, Lord, or Yes, 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 where he was a, um, I'm trying to think of the title of the movie, where he was given the capacity to answer, hear as God hears, and he, huh? I don't know, whatever it was. But anyway, it's like, it's like this. If you've ever laid down at night and your thoughts began to go, and you found yourself resting, your mind's just going, 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 going. And it just won't quiet down within you. And those thoughts began to happen over and over and over and over. It's, it's, you're asking God to look into your thoughts. It's not just to say, okay, I like this and I don't like this. Let's deal with this. Let's deal with that. No, it's, you're asking God to reveal that even to the thoughts that you think that are offensive to him, if there's any thought that you've thought in the past, present, it, that you need to deal with, even that you're saying, God, I'm asking that you bring that to the forefront, the very thoughts that I thought, so that I can confess it. Search not only the being of who I, who I am, but also the thoughts, every thought that I've, that I've thought, past and present. Wow. I've had some bad thoughts. If I'd have acted on every thought I had, I'd be in jail. I may be dead. Yeah. So you can imagine what we're asking God to do. We're asking God to examine every thought that we have ever thought, good or bad. Even the person that cut you off this morning coming to to church, the thought that you had. Even the person that's told you you were number one and they didn't hold up the right finger at you. The thoughts that you've had. Even when someone stole your parking place at Walmart when you waited there 10 minutes for that lady to back out and someone zoomed in there. The thoughts that you thought. You're asking God to reveal every thought that you have thought. Even the woman that you've lusted for. Even the man that you've cursed at. Even the child that you wanted to kill. Every thought, that's heavy. That's heartbreaking because I've not had always good thoughts. You haven't either. And we're saying, God, search me and know me. We're caught with spiritual examination. We're being honest with him, our great physician. There's nothing held back. We're limited in our knowledge, but he's not, so he knows everything about us. And we say, God, search the inward being of who I am. The very person you have created, I'm asking that you search me and know my heart and also examine the very thoughts that I had and have. And number three in this examination is the measure of our conduct. Because it says that see if there be any offensive way in me So now we're saying, God, search the inward being, the very person, the makeup of who you've created and the sin that I've allowed to come into this makeup that you've created, that I have tarnished the DNA spiritually of the perfection that you've created in my life by inviting sin into my life. I'm asking you to search the spiritual DNA and to cleanse me from the sin in my life in the very thoughts that I thought and not only the thoughts that I thought, but the very actions that I have done. Wow. So not only who we are, 
what we think, but what we've done. Yeah. So now the very thoughts that you thought that you did act upon and you did that wasn't good, now you're asking God to reveal that to you as well. So now we are, we're spiritually naked before the Father here. We're totally revealed. Nothing's hidden. And he knows all about us. And why is this? So that we can understand the death clothes that we're wearing. So that we can understand the very things that have wrapped us and keep us bound in life. There is sin in our life deep in the crevice of our heart and the crevice of our mind and the actions that we've done that we've never confessed to God or to others that's leaving us bound, that's leaving us less in a life of freedom. And until we make that confession, we can't go free. So it begins with the heart. It involves and includes the thoughts. And now we're asking him to measure our conduct. And this is the joy. Number four, we're asking for change. We're asking God, God, please help me to get out of the captivity of the sin of my life that I have allowed to come into my life, even the thoughts that I thought and even the actions that I have done. And I'm asking you so that I can be changed and I can live a life of freedom, that I can live a life of healing, that I can live a life of restoration that I can live a life of reconciliation, not only with you, but with my fellow man, the person who's important to me, or the person who I'm just an acquaintance with, or the employer I work beside, or the person that I have done wrong 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the family member that I don't communicate with now, the people that I'm holding a grudge against. Help me to live in a way that is everlasting. Help me to live in a way that's representative of the abundant life that you've come to give. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there be any wicked thought within me, any offensive way within me, and lead me in the way of abundant life. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the way of victory. Help me to get rid of these grave clothes so that I can go free. That's a powerful prayer. Now, we just prayed it together. Now, let's pray it again. Renee, can you go back to that screen if you click on it? You know how to do it, babe? Doug, if you jump over there and help her. I want you to be able to pray this prayer. Just go back to that screen, babe. And it's a prayer of examination. Click on it and run through it if you have to, Renee. Just click on the whole thing run right through it. It'll come back. I don't want you to miss a word. There you go. Just run through it. It's all right. Click on it. Go up to the top. Where are you at, Kevin? That's all right. You're showing some signs of greatness. I taste it and I feel it, and I'm getting hungry. What do y'all want for Christmas? 
just around the corner. Go up to your top of your taskbar and hit at the top to run through the whole thing. You're reloading. Can you pray the prayer without it on the screen? Because I've mentioned it so, so often. There you go. All right, one more time. Keep on clicking. Should have happened. Keep on clicking. There's confession. There's prayer. There's being healed. There's the power of prayer that's effective. Come on, there it goes. The healing and freedom. Unwrap him and let him go free. And here it is, prayer of examination. Pray that with me now. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So when you get home tonight, you've prayed the prayer with me, with us, with everyone in this room, but it's different when you pray that prayer by yourself. So will you this day, will you make a decision, will you go to your great physician today and seek a spiritual examination? Only good can come from it. He's not there to zap you and to make you feel bad. He wants you to be let loose so that you can go free. So the spirit's examination is not about your guilt. It's about your freedom. And he wants us to live life abundantly in healing, restoration, and reconciliation with him. Father, we thank you that you allow us this very day to come before you in honesty, in revealing our very thoughts in our life. And Father, in knowing all that you know of us, you don't run from us. You don't say it's too weighty, it's too heavy, and it's beyond being fixed. But you wait for us to cast our life before you, smiling and welcoming us into your presence so that you could lay your hand of blessing upon us and can provide healing and restoration and help. Father, thank you for the abundant living that we are intended to have. And thank you for the way of everlasting that you provide for us. In your name that we pray, amen.